Welcome to the future of NFTs, brought to you by Adlunum, the first engaged to earn proof of attention IDO launchpad. Hosted by co founder Natya Vester, we bring you exclusive insights on NFTs, the revolutionary digital technology that's transforming the world as we know it. Hey, Web3 World, this is Natya Vester from Adlunum, and you are listening to The Future of NFTs, the show that looks beyond current NFT use cases to non fungible token technology is evolving into. All as seen through the eyes and built by the minds of the absolutely fascinating guest speakers that we are lucky enough to speak to each week. As for Adlunum, Adlunum is a dynamic Web3 investment ecosystem nurturing early stage projects. We cover everything from tokenomics, marketing, community growth, public relations and institutional fundraising to retail market IDEO launches. And our Engage to Earn platform is redefining how investors interact with IDOs and with dynamic NFTs. We have a monthly Web3 pitch arena that connects innovative startups with VC funding. And you can catch our podcast, The Future of NFTs, and Diving into Crypto live or recorded each week. Because with Adlunum, we are not just predicting the future of Web3, we are building it, which is exactly the case for my guest today. So I have with me Jamie Parmenter, who is the CEO of Real Nifty. Jamie had, has a successful background uh, in having founded, grown, and run a community-oriented online music platform called Vinyl Chapters. Jamie has since moved into the creative side of Web3 and blockchain by helping to reduce the friction between the physical and the digital when it comes to NFTs as CEO of Real Nifty. Jamie is also a LinkedIn creator, accelerator alumni, and a Web3 thought leader. As for Real Nifty, Real Nifty is a curated physical and digital NFT marketplace and agency focused on helping accomplished artists and creatives showcase and sell their work. So looking forward to hearing more from Jamie today, exactly what Real Nifty does and what it offers the marketplace and really just have a chat about, as always, the future of NFTs and the Web3 industry and where things are going, where it might be going. So, Jamie, once again, welcome so much on the show. Um, maybe you can start just by talking how the idea for Real Nifty came about as you moved out of the career that you were in. Um, of course, there's also a lot of opportunities uh, for music and Web3. So very curious what led to starting Real Nifty. Hey, Nigel. Uh, thanks for inviting me along to this. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, can you hear me okay now? Yes, the sound is much clearer. Thanks, Jamie. No worries, no worries. So yeah, um, I guess this kind of goes back to uh, my youth. I mean, I've always been a fan of music, you know, technology and creative projects. And I've just concentrated on that most of my life. You know, growing up, I was in a lot of uh, bands. Uh, unfortunately, none of them uh, got to the stage where they got signed. I'm more of a, I guess you could say on the business side of things now, uh, I wasn't a great musician, but um, I do enjoy the industry. So I wanted to stick around in it. And that's why, you know, early on in my life, I started, um, uh, I, I just, I, I studied uh, sociology at university, which really helped with, you know, community building and having a focus on how to build those communities, what communities are like and how they can operate in the real world. And I still wanted to, you know, keep the music and creativity there as well. So I even did my dissertation on, um, it was on the punk subculture, actually. And it was quite interesting because it was within the online communities as well. So again, like back in the day, it was a long time ago, I went to university, but I was still even then looking at communities online and how you can build them and how, you know, you can actually grow these communities in a more um, technological way. And this basically led to me joining a lot of uh, radio stations. So I joined them uh, to work there, to um, join in the, the communities, to figure out the music industry and see what I could do, work my way, way along there. And I got to a stage where, you know, after a few media outlets and radio stations, I wanted to have that. I had that entrepreneurial bug that really sort of grabbed me. And that's when I went out there and formed uh, Vinyl Chapters, which was a community based project where to begin with it was based around I would go outside and hang outside the record stores and uh, wait for people to come out with a new record and ask them a few questions about what they bought why they bought that record you know why they wanted that in their collection and then I'd take a photo of them and uh, put these stories up on the internet so is 
it was kind of a platform where you would get to know the stories behind the music. And again, it just really created that energy that I like about community and stories, which has always been with me. And this kind of grew onto an online platform where I'd actually hired a few writers. It turned into an online magazine style thing where we, as long as with those stories from people, I used to get reviews, interviews with artists and musicians. And uh, that, w- that was going really well. And I got to a stage again where I really wanted to concentrate more on technology and and, um, music was my passion uh, as it has always been. So it was kind of based around that. And then this is where I came around the idea a few years ago with NFTs and web-free technology. And I started reading a lot more about this. And I realized uh, at that time there was an actual music drop, one of the first of its kind. And this was actually a physical and digital drop back in the day. So this is one of the first physical and digital NFT drops that happened. And this involved the rock band Kings of Leon. So what they were doing, they were giving away an NFT with their new record. And with that NFT, you would actually get a copy of their new record on vinyl. So that would be delivered to you in the real world. And so I threw myself completely into this. I learned how to use uh, wallets, how to buy cryptocurrency. And I decided to write an article about the whole thing for Vinyl Chapters. And so I I built this whole, you know, how-to piece, what it is, what NFTs are, how the music industry is using them. And with it, I was also looking at the pros and cons. So at this early stage, obviously, you know, with physical and digital, there were lots of caveats. There were lots of problems going on in the industry. Uh, With this um, Kings of Leon NFT drop, for example, I I bought the NFT and I didn't get the vinyl record to about 10 months after, which was crazy to me because I could have actually just gone out and bought that record at the time straight away. And at one point, they were actually trying to charge the community um, over $100 for delivery outside of the US, which was absolutely crazy to me. So this is where I I kind of realized there were problems of the physical and digital in the community. And I wanted to really go in there and help out and build out out that presence. And what one thing did hit me was the community really fought back against, you know, how the the $100 delivery service and um, not receiving their records straight away. And some damages that actually happened to the vinyl records. And it showed me the power of community and Web3. And again, this is, again, sparked my excitement and really wanted me to get more involved in the industry. So I threw myself in and I put out this article out there and uh, luckily actually got picked up by the BBC website. And I started getting quoted, asking to go on um, radio stations and, and TV to speak about NFTs and, and how it all works. And um, yeah, from this time, I started really building up my presence. I started, um, you know, uh, building more connections on LinkedIn and life and going to conferences, that kind of thing, really just throwing myself in the deep end, learning about everything I could and building up in the industry. And, you know, this is where I actually got to the start and um, we we started finding uh, Real Nifty. So me and um, the founder of Real Nifty met uh, two and a half years ago and we just we both realised we are on the same wavelength when it came to improving the frictions between the physical and digital for nfts and the creative industries and you know that's that's where it all began and um real nifty was born as um as you mentioned earlier as a physical digital marketplace and agency where we really focus on helping you know artists and creatives showcase and sell their work and we've been working on that uh, ever since Wow, absolutely amazing journey, Jamie. Um, I also studied sociology and I'm also absolutely fascinated by the ideas, the idea that uh, communities come about through certain means. And I mean, stories bringing a community together is one thing and you definitely illustrate that with uh, vinyl chapters. But I think what's so fascinating about the Web3 industry is it brings together people from such different backgrounds uh, into this community that we share that is so different from the outside world. And of course, that's one of the special elements of this uh, Web3 community, but it's also one of the drawbacks, of course. So um, as you talk about supporting creatives and artists, um, of course, we've seen the NFT boom in uh, in 2021. And ever since, I mean, it, it, it hasn't been going as well. Of course, the market has been in a huge downturn. So I'm really curious... With your background in building communities and now stepping into Web3 in this brave new world we are in, how do you see the onboarding of creatives and artists at this time when the market is not making the huge promises? And I mean, that, of course, is one of the issues is were such big promises made in in terms of how much money people are going to be making with NFTs. Um, But I think we are moving as a as a 
industry, we're definitely moving away from this idea that NFTs are really there uh, to make money with, like, you know, the quick gains. So really curious, at this time in the market, how are you finding the process of onboarding new creatives that are new to the Web3 industry? And what are some of the uh, some of the barriers that you might face in convincing these people uh, that this is a good avenue to go with? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and like you say, it's it's a difficult atmosphere out there at the moment in the in the bear market. And I think you say you go back a year ago and it was an absolute craze. And I think, you know, that's what some artists and creators still think is going to happen to them when they join Web3. And and we, we do try to make sure that artists and collectors don't think that's the way. We see this as an added benefit to their art and creativity. It's not you know, going to be a quick win for everyone. If you look back at it, it was, you know, I would say it's about 1% of, of the artists and creators out there that had this viral content that they made millions from. And of course, the media and, and everyone involved picks up on that and starts promoting it. And then people get excited and then the bull run kind of happened. But what we try to do, I mean, if, if we look back at when, when it was COVID and we had uh, platforms coming up that really started... Um, to, to promote artists in more of a digital manner. I think, you know, they needed it back then because they couldn't go out to exhibitions in the real world. Musicians can go and perform and they were losing money. And I think these platforms like Clubhouse really helped to actually start forming those communities in the aspect and really streamlined and, and uh, fastened up the process of what Web3 could do. And, you know, that was a good start. And I think now what we need to do is uh, create platforms or marketplaces is really educate these uh, artists and um, and creators into how to grow in the space, how to build their own communities. And that's where we kind of look a bit differently with uh, Real Nifty. We're, we're not one of these platforms or marketplaces that just says to artists and creators to come along and, you know, join our platform and then that's it. They're on the platform. We actually see it as a partnership. We want to help them build their community. We want to use their community to help build ours. But not only that, we want them to work with the other artists on our platform. And that's why we, we're very big on doing uh, Twitter spaces like you're doing here, where you can get lots of people involved. We'll invite all of the artists from our platform along to come and speak about their artwork, to you know join in with partnerships with other, um, perhaps with other artists, with other galleries that are joining us. And I think it's we'd see it as a, as a big family rather than you're just using our platform. And I think this is what, artists need and they need to understand when they join it's not going to be a quick win it's not going to be you know they're not coming to us to suddenly make lots of money they're coming to us to to get their artwork out there and they're going to have to work hard as well it's not just going to come and join and then sell your artwork out we're going to be here to help you but you, you've got to help yourself as well and i think this is why there's a disconnect in, especially in the fine art world at the moment in traditional art world with uh, galleries galleries are kind of a little bit scared of NFTs in ways, some of the ones that I spoke to anyway. And I think this is why there seems to be a missing link there. And again, this is something that we're trying to fix at Real Nifty. We're, we're reaching out to galleries as well as artists to try and educate them on the space and, and what they can do and, and why we're here and why we shouldn't be seen as, as fearful, why we should be seen as complementary to the artworks that they're trying to sell. And, yeah, trying to introduce them to the technology and see where it goes from there. So I think, you know, that's a long-winded way of saying, um, yeah, you're not going to – most cases, you're not going to make a big money, but this is a new transition to a new world, and it's another way to make money. You don't have to just rely on your traditional physical artwork. You can combine it with digital or even sell digital only. I think this is such a good point, though, because I've noticed over the last few years, I mean, there were these – Singular NFT marketplaces, and then very quickly a whole bunch of them popped up. And really, the only function would be for you as an artist to go on their platform and list your work. And really, from the sounds of it, especially how you were building out Real Nifty, it sounds more like a partnership that you are supporting these artists through various aspects of them entering this world of Web3 into starting to use NFTs, getting their art on there, building their communities. So, would you say that? in the future of NFT marketplace, marketplaces, that we are going to see an increased shift uh, towards a more holistic sort of partnership model as opposed to 
just a marketplace where you just go to list your work, um, where there's not really this relationship, this deep relationship between the marketplace or, you know, the, the, the support resources for the artists available in the Web3 space. I hope so. I think there's there's going to be a lot of more niche marketplaces out there, I think, than rather than just, say, people minting on uh, places that open sea. And I think there's going to be a not, lot more, you know, attitude for, for artists to actually choose which platform they go, go on and which they promote. I think there's going to be some artists that do want that hands-on approach and there's going to be some, you know, other people that want that hands-off. Some creators just want to create. Some of some others want to, you know, have that um, have that control over their marketing. So it really depends on the type of creator. And I think, you know, at Real Nifty, we're we want to be able to invite people that that want, you know, that, that know what they want, that know um, how to, you know, how to market themselves, but also want that extra help in the education. And you know, I mean, we have special, we have a lot of different um, things on the marketplace that other that other marketplaces don't. We like to do things a bit differently and. I think this really helps out the artists. I mean, for example, we're, we're primarily a physical and digital platform, which means we decided to embed these very easy um, delivery services that, that um, artists can actually choose from. We wanted to take away the, you know, the difficulties that some people would have with that if, if they wanted to. Um, for example, if you go to somewhere like OpenSea and, and uh, a piece of uh, artwork or NFT has a physical item attached, You'd have to go to the description usually and, you know, find an email address where it would say email me for when you want to receive the physical. And obviously a lot of people would find this a bit weird and, you know, not safe to actually just email someone and hope that the, the physical item comes along. Whereas on Real Nifty, we, we work with a third party delivery service for fine art, which means it's all uh, protected. It's all insured. You can do it straight through the marketplace by just pressing redeem and then you get to choose from different levels of delivery you can go all up from you know white glove service where if, if it's a really expensive piece of fine art you can have it packaged and collected and hanged on delivery right through to you know economy um options as well and and you know if the artist still does want to get involved we still offer self-delivery as well so i think it's giving those artists the options and also being letting them develop their own community as well if they want giving them that, that optionality this is why we thought it was so important to make sure we had a, a messaging system on the marketplace as well. So creators and collectors could actually communicate through the marketplace. And the reason we wanted this is, again, you know, it comes back, as you know, with sociology and community, um, Nigeria. It's, it's very important to me and very important to artists to be able to tell their story behind the artwork. And, you know, you, you don't necessarily get that story completely through on the description on the marketplace. So we wanted to give people a chance to reach out to these artists and ask more about the artwork that they could be collecting. And also, obviously, um, we, we have these spaces and interviews with all the artists and, um, you, you know, it gives them a chance to actually tell us a bit more about the artwork and why they did it in the first place. So I, I really do think, you know, there's going to be a lot more options out there in the future. And I, I do believe that platforms at OpenSea will probably be secondary. Obviously, a lot of NFTs do go on OpenSea automatically, but I think people will start using more of these niche platforms where they're more present and they in more fits their kind of creativity and artwork. So I'm curious then, if you think about uh, an artist in the traditional world, uh, let's say non-Web3 world, uh, building a community versus building a community in Web3, what are some of the differences that an artist can expect building a community in this space? What opportunities does it open up? And also, what do these communities want from the artists uh, in, in terms of this community that they're in? What is it that they're actually after that artists can look out for when they're building these communities? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, you know, it's quite good to cite some of the artists on the Real Nifty platform to actually answer that because we've got a real range. Um, we've got artists like uh, Lila Pinto, for example, who is a abstract artist. And she actually came to us with both a traditional art background and a digital art background, which is fantastic because we kind of used her as a use case because she started off as a traditional artist, but also, you know, formed her own community as a digital artist as well before we reached out to her. So, you know, you have artists like um, like Lila who have come to us and have these two audiences and, you know, reacts to them differently, but is also trying to combine them together. And it was really good to see how she did that and, and grow into the space. And 
Then we have other artists like uh, Olasishi, who's um, again very, a fantastic physical artist, but this was her first steps into the traditional space. And you know, she needed a lot of uh, educating on on how it all works and how the marketplace works. And you know, even got down to buying crypto and um, you know, uh, opening a MetaMask wallet. These are the things that me and the team actually sat down with Ola to explain to her. And we feel like that kind of education is very important to really combine the traditional and, and uh, digital art worlds as we go on. And again, this is why we're actually contacting galleries and using focus groups to figure out what it is that artists want and need and how their different audiences are reacting to their artwork within the space. And a lot of people might say that, you know, Focus Creeps is quite web two and isn't very web free, but I think we need to really connect dots here and use, um, you know, use facilities from both. It's, it's something that I've always found in my career to be very important, Focus Creeps, to keep you on the right level and to actually find the right processes to, to move the industry forward. And so, yeah, when it comes to actually the audiences, obviously what I guess one of our struggles has been to really unite communities within the Web2 and Web3 space because they operate very differently at the moment in time anyway. For example, if you go back a year ago, um, every um, platform or project in Web3 had a Discord and, you know, people would be on there constantly trying to... Uh, grow their communities, trying to show them the ropes, um, you know, build that hype. But again, this, this is something that I could see that this wasn't going to last. People were going to get really annoyed with this in the long run. And a lot of it that I saw in discourse was fake conversation. So I think what we've been trying to do is actually grow a real community and have that educational aspect between the traditional and digital, which I'm not going to lie, Nigel, it has been hard and we knew it would be hard from the very start. We knew, you know, anything that's worth doing isn't easy. And, you know, combining the traditional art world with the digital art world is, is being difficult. But we are getting there and we're starting to see more communication from galleries and more artists coming to us and saying, I'd love to get more involved with this. How can I transition my audience? And I think, you know, there's lots of different answers. And I think it depends on what kind of artist you are as well. If you're traditional, you know, a very traditional artist, then I think it's going to be a lot more difficult for you, for you to transition your audience. But you have the opportunity to grow a new audience within the space at the same time. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are planning to do that. And then if you're more, say, like a modern artist, I think it's a lot easier. You might have, you know, a younger audience that follows you, which is more susceptible to uh, coming over to Web3 or may have used it already. And I think the main, you know, the main caveat now is that in the, in the next year or two, definitely, you know, the, the web free technology is going to be pushed into the background and people will be receiving and using these digital assets without even knowing that they're NFTs. It's just going to become a lot more natural. And I think this is going to benefit a lot more of uh, galleries and artists and creators out there as, as we grow into the space. It's, um, you know, it's going to be a lot easier. But I think the benefits to those that, that join the industry now and try to learn it themselves, they're going to be ahead of the game. And I think it's going to really, you know, help them sell their artwork and get known in both the digital and physical worlds. Yeah, it's a brave new world ahead. So, Jamie, the million-dollar question. We in Web3 love our acronyms and our terminologies. I mean, the future of the, the, the name of the show is called The Future of NFTs. And if you don't know what NFTs mean, then, I mean, the name of the show even would be lost. So I'm curious, as we continue to move into this globally, not only in the NFT art, but really across Web3 and even the digital space as a whole, uh, we really we are already seeing brands adopting NFT technology, but not calling it NFTs. What are your thoughts on how important it is for people to genuinely understand what an NFT is, or is it really just going to be a case, as you say, it will be a digital asset, everyone will be using it, will be buying it, will be trading it, without really thinking about the, the, the underlying mechanisms of how it works? Because at the moment, that seems to really be uh, something that is a hindrance to a lot of people. They hear the terms, they hear complexity behind it. And then immediately there's this, you know, sort of cognitive dissonance that takes place where it's just immediately, no, no, I don't know what that is all about. I don't understand it. So I'm just going to look the other way. So do you think that this is the future is to do away with all of these terms and all of the very complex explanations and just integrate it into people's lives as you have the, the, the physical object, you have the digital object, you know, both of them kind of coexist equally? 
Yeah, again, that's that's a fantastic question. And yeah, I, I do agree with that completely. I mean, technology is going to be pushed into the background. And to me, this is a great thing. You know, the industry is currently difficult to understand for many. Like you mentioned, Nadja, there's lots of abbreviations out there, people not understanding what Web3 is and how it works, what NFTs actually are. But, you know, the crux of the matter is that they don't need to know. All they need to know is like digital assets are going to be a big thing of the future. They're going to be safe. They're going to be immutable. They're going to be collectible. And, you know, there's so many out people out there in the moment that don't know what a wallet is, that haven't bought any crypto. But, you know, there's lots of steps uh, being made out there, but there is still lots to do as well. Um, as you mentioned, there's a lot of platforms that are currently, you know, trialing using Web3 technology without actually mentioning that it is Web3. And I mean, a couple of examples that I have, um, there's a Starbucks royalty program that have done uh, brilliant steps going forward into building their brand. I mean, obviously, being one of the world's biggest coffee franchises, is it's pretty easy for them to uh, go out there and spend millions to to make these platforms or get their audience involved. But still, they've done it without mentioning what Web3 is or what NFTs are. Again, Reddit did it with their um, with their digital avatars. You know, they got people involved. They sold millions of these digital Reddit avatars without really mentioning much about blockchain or Web3. And there's other platforms out there that have started using and selling NFTs, you know, without having people to buy cryptocurrency, which has been a great way to onboard people. They can just use their credit and debit cards. I really like what Tezos has been doing re recently in the in the sports world. I don't know whether you've heard, but I mean, the um, the Formula One is on at the moment. With every race that happens, Tezos are actually giving away with uh, McLaren a NFT uh, for four days during the actual race time, which has been fantastic. You know, people are actually collecting these NFTs. And then if you collect a certain number, you get put into a draw to win the competition to go and see one of the F1 races, which I think is fantastic. Uh, Manchester United again. They're um, they they've done a fantastic project where they had a very low priced um, initial NFT which they were selling for. I think it was something for like twenty pounds, twenty dollars. And then once you have that, every time Manchester United played, if they won, you would get a free NFT sent to your wallet. So again, it's kind of showing people, you know, what these digital collectors are about and getting them used to it without having that um, technology on the outside. And again, it's something that we're trying to move towards. Um, at Real Nifty as well, to actually try and combine and get people used to Web3 tech. We've actually just started releasing, um, giving people the op opportunity to buy the physical only uh, from Real Nifty, um, the platform uh, with, you know, with credit card and debit card. And the reason we've done that, this is completely basically separate from NFTs. People will come to the platform if they, if they, you know, they don't know what NFTs are, they can actually just buy a physical art, the physical art piece only. And, you know, some people might think this is a bit weird, but our thought behind this is we want people to come to the platform, you know, from traditional art worlds as well as digital. And once they buy that NFT, we were sorry, once they buy that physical piece, we want to basically educate them on the NFT. We want the artist to hold on to it for them and say, hey, did you know you can open a wallet and have all these extra benefits or, you know, support the artist by having the NFT? We want to teach them that education and really bring them into the industry. And I think, you know, as well as pushing the technology into the background, we still got to educate people on, you know, what NFTs can do or what digital collectibles can bring and can help to artists. So I think, you know, there's lots of different ways we can do this. And obviously, you know, as you know, at the moment, AI is the poster child of tech over the last uh, few months or so. But I do think, you know, there's also a big industry for how AI and uh, Web3 can work together to continue this. I know there was uh, recently an initiative that I um, that I recently wrote about that was both AI and Web3 combined together by it was called uh, MasterCard Music Accelerator. And what they actually did, they used AI to create music tracks. So you could go on and use this online board, basically, to create your own music. Then that music was then minted as an NFT. So combining these, these um, you know, these new innovations together to in the, in the creative and AI industries, I think is a great way to showcase exactly what people can do in the creative space. And of course, you know, this could lead on to say someone makes their own track. It could be the first time they've made their own music track. Then that might push them towards, you know, actually picking up an instrument in the real world and then realizing, oh, I actually love creating music or picking up a paintbrush and then, you know, creating their first uh, painting. 
it's something that really excites me and anything that gets people more involved in the creative industries especially when the technology like this is pushed more into the background and it's very easy to use I really feel it's, it's pushing the way forward for innovation and, and you know keeping creativity part of the human race. I want to add on to that by asking you a follow-up question. We talk so much about mass adoption and I mean it, it almost becomes like the unicorn that we are looking for. But what are your thoughts on how adoption is actually going to happen? Because from the sounds of it, I mean, especially what you're doing about offering uh, buyers a physical object only and then with the option to buy, to buy an NFT, that's a much more, you know, the, the, the carrot and the stick, uh, that's not necessarily the way that we are going to bring people into the industry is by knocking their, do their doors down and about the wonders of Web3, it sounds like a much more certain, logical and really just understanding where people are coming from approach uh, to you know, getting people to onboard into this industry. So what are your thoughts in terms of how Web3 is going to, to gain this, 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 let's not say mass adoption, but at least much greater adoption that we have at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I do think it's going to take time. It's not going to be an overnight uh, effort. And I think, you know, how I like to usually cite this question is looking back uh, at the Internet in the 90s when that first came around. I mean, you know, nobody knew what it was. It took a long time. If you if you watch some talk shows back then, everyone's kind of taking the mickey out of what what this in, what this Internet thing is, what computers are and how they're going to be involved in our everyday lives. I don't think, you know, most of the people back then when it first came out would never have predicted what the world was going to look like today. And I think, you know, that's going to be the same situation with um, Web3 and blockchain technology. No one, you know, I think there's a few of us that realise it's going to, you know, take over the world. But I think it's going to take like, you know, five, ten years to really be embedded in our culture, in our, in our community, just like the the Internet did. And I think, again, going back to, you know, be, the technology being pushed at the background, you know, not everyone knows how to use the Internet, but everyone uses it every day. And I think that's an important differentiation to have. People are going to be using this um, technology without actually knowing it. But it is going to take, you know, the Internet took a long time to catch on, I guess. It was probably probably about, you know, 2000s or something, which, again, is another 10 year period before everything started getting easier. I mean, when, when the internet first came out, I remember the, the screeching phone lines um, trying to download a, a trailer. I can't remember what film it was for, but I think it took like four hours to download the trailer. And I'm so glad um, the younger generation today doesn't have to deal with that. They can just hop online and watch any trailer they want within seconds. Um, and again, it's just goes to back to the technology of Web3. It takes a long time to set up a wallet to, you know, make sure that you've got the right amount of cryptocurrency there's lots of different ways of doing that at the moment these all these processes are going to be very streamlined they're going to be done in seconds in the future and i think we just need to keep promoting the fact that that's going to come but with with people and mass adoption you know action speaks louder than words if we make it easier people are going to use it more it's as simple as that and i think as soon as we we can actually solve that problem and move forward there's lots of uh people a lot more intelligent than myself working on a lot of these issues out there it's gonna it's gonna you know open a whole new world for us and my you know my passion is physical and digital and i'm continuously working and reading and learning on ways in which we combine these more and make these these frictions uh, disappear of what we have at the moment you know overall in the industry we're not quite there yet it's very hard to say even if you can have a QR code on a physical piece or a NFC chip or, or whatever else, you know, it still, it still can be damaged. You still can't completely physically combine the physical and digital. And this is, you know, there's lots of ideas we're working on ourselves and there's lots of ideas out there. There's kind of holding NFTs and money in escrow as the physical was delivered, uh, delivered. That's some of the options that people were looking at. I was even reading the other day about a spray. You can like, spray on uh, physical items, which means it's completely embedded and you can scan this spray so like it never goes away over years. There's lots of really interesting things out there, but I think this is what I'm excited about at the moment is the opportunities that we have. And give it five or ten years and everyone's going to be using this without even the second thought, just like we're, um, we're using the internet now. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're so right, because I still get nightmares thinking about that dial-up modem sounds that we need to go through in order to just to be able to connect to any internet whatsoever. 
<clears throat> and back then there was no easy ways to find any information you were looking for. And it was, yeah, it, it was quite a mess. So we've come a long way, even just as consumers, never mind as, as businesses and as, uh, you know, the tech industry as a whole. So I want to talk more about the idea of digital, because this is something that more and more people are turning their focus towards. But I really want to understand from the way that you look at it, why do we need digital? Why do we need this crossover between the physical world out there? I mean, we are talking about the metaverse as if, you know, in the future, we're all going to only be in the metaverse and there's going to be no real world. Of course, that's the one narrative going on. The other narrative as well, we'll never really be fully digital because we need this physical, uh, you know, this physical presence, this physical aspect to us. So what are your thoughts on where the concept of digital, whether it's art, whether it's other products that we consume, where does it fit into our lives, especially as we, you know, continue to evolve as a technological society? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of examples that we can we, we can have here, and you know, as as Real Nifty is is focused on fine art at the moment, even though we're expanding out to you know fashion and photography and film. It's for me, you know, with fine art, it's one of the reasons is provenance, and I think, you know, there's there's lots of there's lots of different um, different ways that you can actually follow artwork in the real world, and. But it's not secure, you know. We with provenance and with the blockchain, you can actually prove exactly where a fine piece of art has been if you can actually link it to it. And I think this is going to be very important in actually opening out the art world to everyone. Um, the art world itself, you know, it's, it's always felt very closed. And I know people that are actually scared to go into art galleries because they feel they don't know enough about the artwork or they're scared to, you know, speak to the to people in there or, or the artists themselves. And I think this digital and physical combination is actually going to help open up the art world to a lot more people than than it, it currently did. Um, so, you know, along with provenance, which we're, we're working on with, at Real Nifty as well, we're uh, making sure that we have IP rights, for example, digitally uh, binded to uh, the NFTs that, uh, and the physical aspects that we sell, which means both the creator and the collector know exactly what rights they have to the NFT and to the physical item that they've uh, purchased, which, again, I think is is very important to do. And again, it leads back to the heyday of the ball run um over a year ago when you would actually go onto these project websites and you know half of them wouldn't well i'd say more than half wouldn't actually have even any terms and conditions which is uh terrifying you know it's you're actually buying something without any uh protection at all so we made this you know an opportunity to actually embed ip rights uh, directly onto the nft page so both the collector creator and anyone that wants to see can actually see the the IP rights uh, right there. I mean, there's, there was horror stories back in the day last year of, you know, BAYC, uh, Board Ape Yacht Club, and how they they didn't really tie down their IP rights properly. There was people, I think it was Seth Green that, that had his his project, his uh, um, Board Ape hacked. And because of that, he was in the middle of making a, uh, a television series about it and um, about his board ape, and then he wasn't able to actually make this series because he no longer owned the IP rights to this uh, board ape until he bought it back for another few hundred thousand, which just shows you, you know, the complications that a new industry can actually bring for IP rights. So we're really trying to make sure we have that provenance tied down, that we have the IP rights uh, sorted. And, you know, I think being able to have physical and digital, like I said, opens that art world to a lot more people. We have, for example, two um, online um, metaverse galleries that we invite our artists to come along to when they join the platform. We'll decorate the, uh, the, the gallery with their artwork. We'll invite our audience along. They can invite their audience and then, you know, we get random people in there as well. People that, for example, aren't able to go and see this artist's artwork in the real world because of distance, because of uh, money. They can actually come to our online gallery, have a conversation in the metaverse with the artist, have, um, you know, have a proper look at the artwork, have a look around and, you know, have a enjoy that community of people that's there. And I think with, with when you when you you know combine these physical and digital aspects it just grows that community grows that essence and opens the art world to a lot more people 
And again, if we're looking at another example, let's, let's look at music and, and ticketing. This is going to be absolutely huge for me in, in the future. I've already seen a few music uh, ticketing platforms start to use NFTs. Um, you know, you can use this as a physical reminder of that gig instead of holding on to a ticket stub. You can actually hold on to a digital collectible that you, we can keep for life. You can have, you know, aspects of that could mean you have uh, entry into communities um, online, which you could um, associate with the band themselves, say, or, or other fans of the group and give you access to, uh, say, 10% of tickets in the future. And also it works on a, um, on a on the level of being able to be a more secure way of, of selling your ticket, for example, instead of having to really go, you know, go to the gig sometimes and buy a physical ticket off a scalper, which then you realise is a fake ticket and you spent £100 or $100 and can't actually get into the event anymore. And it also allows people to actually manage those um costs because i mean as as we've seen with the recent um in the uk uh taylor swift recently um uh, put her tickets up for sale for her tour and i think they were costing something like 100 pounds but as soon as they sold out you, you see these ticket prices on uh, ebay and, and other platforms suddenly skyrocket to say three thousand five hundred pounds which is you know really really hard to watch and what you can do with with blockchain technology is actually limit the amount of um, the amount that people can actually set the pricing after they bought the tickets. Uh, they can actually put it for the same price, maybe put them a bit higher. But also not only that, if you do put the prices higher, for example, you can make sure that a percentage of those uh, funds actually go to the band themselves. A lot of these bands don't actually see a lot of the money. And, you know, especially for the more independent bands, they they make most of their profit from uh, touring and merchandise. And, you know, NFTs and, and digital collectibles are actually going to really help out those independent musicians. They don't make much money from streaming because of, you know, how Spotify operates. And I think, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a big call for the music industry. And it's going to not only help the creators, but actually their fans as well, really combine with each other to uh, grow the industry in a, in a better way than it is at the moment. That are, those are really some fascinating use cases. Um, I know Africa Burn, uh, which is a concert in, or a festival rather, in South Africa, they have this policy where if you resell the ticket, it can't go higher than a certain amount, but there's no technology backing it. So even just a use case like this, it's a thing that people are genuinely, genuinely already struggling with. Uh, so fascinating to think about the applications uh, in future of all these uh, kinds of technology. Speaking of which, so NFTs came to the scene and it blew up and it's been the talk of the town. And as I said earlier, I mean, of course, the market dropping, NFTs have seen this thing. But uh, there's also been a lot of movement within the NFT industry. Uh, a lot of people still associate it only with digital art or PFPs or, you know, these it's very specific use cases for NFTs that most people, when they think of NFTs, when they, when they do know something about it, that's what they kind of default to. But I'm curious, what significant shifts have you noticed uh, in the NFT landscape? Uh, maybe even possibly before you started Real Nifty, but especially since starting Real Nifty, what shifts are currently taking place that perhaps if you're not keeping too close an ear to the ground, you might not be picking up? But of course, if this is your bread and butter and it's something that you work with every day, you definitely do see these subtle changes. Uh, so do you have any that you can share that you are currently seeing in terms of where things might be going? Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, Nigel, I think there's definitely a, um, a shift away from these PFP projects. I think they're really, you know, going into the background now. It was, it was great to kind of show what NFTs are capable of in the beginning. But I think it's, you know, I think it got overshadowed in the media. There was a lot of people that, that's, you know, it, it grew to a stage when there was a lot of rug pulls out there. And, you know, we've all been, we've all seen them in, in the media. We've all, I mean, some of us, I'm sure, have been involved in, in um, being rug pulled themselves, which has been horrific. I mean, I know so many people out there that have had their wallets hacked as well, which, you know, is a another concern. And I think we're starting to move away from this kind of, thing and actually be able to really discover actual use cases and grow the industry as a whole in the direction where more of the mass population are going to be able to get involved. I mean, especially for me, you know, at Real Nifty, we, we've always focused on the physical and digital. We, we never really went in for these quick 
quick buck making, I guess, uh, PFP projects. I mean, I'm not I'm not slamming PFP projects. There's some great ones out there with some great communities, but I, I think that's at the moment still the tip of the iceberg when it comes to NFTs. Um, now, like I said, ticketing is is going to be a massive thing for me in the future. Um, opening the doors to the art world again is going to be absolutely huge, and I think you know the fashion industry has made made great leaps forward in this. I think it was. Recently, uh, Louis Vuitton uh, mentioned uh, they've released their own NFT collection for obviously this is more for more high priced uh, people out there um, where I think you get a box for like uh, five grand or something. And then you, you keep getting um, deals and, and updates and you get physical and digital stuff involved there. Um, I, I really like what some of the platforms have been doing. There's big Web2 companies, for example, that have been dipping their toes in, especially uh, platforms like Nike with the Nike Swish, where people have been using uh, buying digital collectibles um, of trainers. So these trainers are supposed to be able to um, be used on, on digital platforms. I think they did an initiation with Fortnite, so you could actually wear your, your bought trainers in there. And I think, you know, this is going to get more apparent there's going to be an online personality where you're actually going to be buying clothes for your online avatar and then you're going to have a real life personality sometimes they will be linked sometimes they won't and again i think this is going to be this is going to be the the good thing you, you can actually separate your physical and digital lives or you can combine them together and i think you know this is the exciting time we're going to have this whole new life online uh compared to what it was and you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting future. Some people are going to get really involved in this. And I think as as we grow into it, younger generations are already getting used to, to digital a lot more than our generation. I mean, I've been very lucky to be involved in a time when I grew up uh, primarily, you know, until my teenage years without the Internet. Um, and, you know, I had that atmosphere of just purely physical. And then I went through uh, physical and digital. Now it's moving towards more digital. I mean, I've got a couple of nephews and one of them, when he was three years old, or was it two? It was two or three. But anyway, I caught him swiping on a magazine as if it was an iPad, as if the image was going to change. And it just shows you how ingrained uh, digital is becoming in our in our lives now so i think you know there's, there's going to be a lot of different um ways in which we use this technology um pfps were just the tip of the iceberg and i'm excited you know I, I think there's going to be things that i me and you can't even think of that are going to be used in the future and it's just one of those things i mean you look back at was it the victorians um and their ideas of the future i mean they didn't even have electricity on the mind when it when it came to the future so who knows what's going to be invented for us going forward, but what, whatever it is, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, this is the next stage. We've we've had the internet going for, what, 30, 40 years now. NFTs and Web3 and blockchain is going to be the next situation, and I'm uh, excited to find out what happens next. Absolutely. And, I mean, I think we sometimes forget that technology, the, the very essence of technology is something that is constantly evolving into something new. So, soon as something is 10 years plus then it it means it's going to be disrupted at some point um and so this idea that change is the only constant that's especially true in technology because that's really where so much of the innovation and the disruption lies um so i just want to quickly want to remind the audience that if you do want to ask jamie a question uh please dm the question the adlunum twitter handle and the team will send it over to me so jamie and maybe one final question just on nfts so We've spoken a lot about, you know, whether even NFTs should be called NFTs or it's going to be these di digital assets that people will be using without really understanding, uh, you know, w what kind of powers and what drives them. Uh, and so it should be because, as you rightly pointed out, people use the Internet without really understanding even how the Internet works or electricity for that matter. Um, yeah, and speaking of, it just reminds me, I also find myself swiping on magazines. So speaking of fully digitally integrated um, so I want to get your thoughts on this, the, the, the broader digital economy. Uh, up until now, I mean, we've become, we've, become a, we've become accustomed to an internet as we know it, the Web2 internet. But how do you think this, we, we spoke earlier about, you know, taking about 10 years or so until the, the technology becomes, let's say, commonplace as opposed to right now where it's very niche. But what kind of future do you envision 
where this digital economy that we have, what is it going to look like uh, in future as opposed to right now where we are starting to kind of cross the barriers and the divides between the physical and the digital? Yeah, that's, that's going to be a really interesting question. And I think, you know, it really depends on how a lot of the world uh, reacts to it um, in regards to rules and regulations. Um, I mean, as you can see recently, the US is, is really, you know, pushing against certain crypto aspects. Um, there's places like the UK, um, where, where I am, where we are starting to really welcome them and, and uh, regulate them in a really interesting way. I know that A16Z is going to open their, their next um, office in London, which is fantastic. We're going to be able to welcome a lot more startups and interesting teams and people into the UK. But I think what's what's at the moment, the whole world is kind of separated when it comes to these rules and regulations at the moment. And until we have a, a bit more of, you know, combinations of, of um, countries and and areas that are going to work together to to build these regulations and make similarities between them, it's, it's going to be difficult to actually grow it at a speed and a, a power that's necessary. And um, so I think, you know, number one, the, the rules and regulations of different countries are going to be very important. And, um, you know, a lot of that is going to be out of um, most of our control. But what we can do is speak up, keep going to conferences, keep speaking to our governments and making sure that they understand and are educated on um, on crypto and Web3 and NFTs. And, you know, that's that's important for people that are in the industry to remember that we're at the beginning here and we're creating what what the future is. So again, that's that's kind of my first point. People who are in the industry now need to make sure we have the power and that we educate people going forward. And those rule makers uh, know exactly what what it is and and what it can lead to. Um, I guess the second point is uh, obviously, as we've already discussed, is pushing that technology into the background and making it easy to use for for many people. And the, and the last uh, one of the other points, I guess, is, you know, the creators and the developers. I mean, we, we've we got a brilliant development team at Real Nifty. And, um, you know, I've worked with a lot of developers, but the team I have at the moment is so easy to talk to. And I think that's important um, as, as a developer is to be able to speak to your uh, clients or your staff in a way that helps them understand. So, I mean, I have asked them so many questions and they're very patient with me with with what can be done or, or what can't be done. And, you know, I think, you know, you know I think a lot of these these places, um, when it comes to uh, projects and, and ideas, we, we need to make sure that we're all on the same wavelength and moving in the right direction in what can be done and what should be done, more importantly. Um, I mean, when it comes to to projects out there at the moment, there's there's lots going on. It's, for me, the creative space is where it's going to be most apparent. But also you see the good and bad side of what the technology can do. So we've got um, certain, for example, authorities uh, creating CBDCs. So these coins that are on private uh, blockchains that could potentially be used to track, um, for example, uh, countries um, where the money is used by every single person in the country. So if they have these digital currencies, um, instead of being used on an open decentralized platform, people might have to use them on the centralized, which is, of course, worse than actual physical cash at the moment. You'll be able to, governments may be able to track exactly where you are, what you're going, what you're spending your money on, which, you know, is is, is frightening, to be honest. So, you know, it comes back to those rules and regulations again. But I think, you know, most importantly is the pros of what this technology can do, where this can take us. It's going to open literal new worlds for us. There's going to be online worlds which which can be run by the blockchain, which can be, you know, gains gaining popularity and, and host events and and have these amazing people and bring you closer to communities. Going back to, you know, community, it's going to grow them into aspects where you can have access to people all over the world that, that speak your own language, that agree with the same things that you do, that follow the same music you do. It's, it's a really exciting time to be here. And again, we've just got to, I think we just need to be careful of where the technology goes at the same time as, as promoting it and making sure that people understand what it does. 
Um, yeah, I think that that's probably my my take on it at the moment. It's I, I want to always be positive, but also you know you've got to be careful of, of what te- the technology can do in the background as well, where it's going to go, and um, you know if if any um, unsavoury characters can get how can get hold of the technology. Just like in any cases, you know, obviously, primarily people thought blockchain would be used for uh, criminal activity. And obviously, you know, in some cases it is. But I, I think for the majority now, most transactions are actually safe and um, secure and are actually for the benefit of, say, people without banking capabilities or people that are using it to uh, open um, you know, their educational aspects and, and grow those all over the world. So there's lots of different ways they, they can be used. And I'm very happy to see, you know, what the future holds for us and, and what it can bring. Absolutely. Jamie, thank you so much for spending all of this time with us today. I think we've gotten so many absolutely great insights. I have one question. I see we've run out of time, so I'm only going to select one. Uh, this is from Ne. Uh, how to preserve, in brackets, artists. So how, how, do, how should artists preserve through a bear market? That's a great question. So, um, yeah, obviously, you know, we, I think the artists shouldn't just, fo- if they have the opportunity to, don't just focus on the digital aspects as well. You know, make sure that if you came from a physical artist background, make sure that you're, um, you're, you're keeping on with your physical artwork. Make sure, you know, I think you need to concentrate on both Web2 marketing as well as Web3. It's, it's not just about joining on these uh, digital communities or, say, be, being on Twitter amongst other people that are into web3 i mean that's great to have that community aspect and to be able to have that support there but you also have to go out there like with any industry and find your audience it's really important to actually be able to grow you have to throw yourself into it and um yeah find those collectors because not all the time those collectors aren't going to find you especially in the fine art industry um i know artists that have worked for years to be able to find their audience and and find collectors that want to buy their work and you know it's through blood sweat and tears if you want to to um, be an artist then it's it's going to be a a hard life uh, for the majority of it but what I love about art and what I always have is you know you're doing something you love you can survive um, off some doing something you love you know you only get one life and this is what I say to artists go out there and create and be who you want to be and you know if people can understand your story which is the most important thing for me you've got to have a great story you've got to be able to seduce those collectors to come along and and get to know you and um yeah i mean this is what we look for mostly for people that we want on the real nifty platform we want them to have a great story to have a great audience and really partner with us that's our big main thing we see it as a partnership we want you to come to us we want you to mix with our audience we want to mix with your audience and that's what I mean. Um, you you got to go out there. And one of the main things is to collaborate, collaborate with others, you know, share audiences, build audiences together. And then um, in the end, you know, we'll get to that bull market again. And um, but it's, it's not about the bear and bull. It's about building your own audience and being able to support yourself in that way. Absolutely. I couldn't have said a bit of myself. Jeremy, yeah, this was an absolutely fascinating hour. We're so, so delighted to hear the approach that you are taking at Real Nifty, I think, as we were discussing, that's certainly something that is going to become more and more prevalent in the industry is really these holistic networks and communities and conversations and support as opposed to everyone running for the bull market and hiding when it's the bear market. Uh, so on that note, um, where can the audience follow you? Where can they follow Real Nifty? Where are you most often to be found on? Uh, and if they have any more questions, where can they reach to you? Of course. And again, thank you so much for inviting me to come along to this, Nadja. I love what uh, you and the team at Adlunum are doing. It's fantastic. And um, I'll, I'll see great things in your horizon. So, yeah, for me, um, realnifty.xyz, that's our uh, website. Please come and have a look at the fantastic artists we have there. Um, if you're a creator, feel free to submit um, an application and uh, then me and the team will look over it. And uh, obviously, if you, if you do have uh, any projects in mind, please get in contact with us. You can either contact uh, us directly through the through the marketplace itself, info at realnifty.xyz. And for me personally, I'm uh, on Twitter now, now and again, quite often, uh, Jamie P at Web3. 
And also, um, I hang around a lot on LinkedIn. So um, I'm there to answer a lot of questions. That's probably the platform I use the most. So please come and follow me, say hello, and I'd uh, love to have a conversation with you. Jamie, it's been an absolute privilege. Thank you so much. We will definitely be uh, be following along with you and all of the amazing artists that you have on Real Nifty. As for our audience, thank you once again for tuning in today. It's such a privilege to see how many people there are in the room. Um, I know it's not the best time in the market and, you know, we do get fatigue from constantly listening to and talking about the technology and then nothing is happening. Uh, But, uh, yeah, this is really the time when you educate yourself and you kind of build those foundations up so that when the bull market does come back uh, and there's no time for sleeping or for relaxing, uh, then you have those foundations in. So thanks to everyone for tuning in today. Uh, and I will catch you again next week for another episode of The Future of NFTs brought to you by Lunam. Cheers, guys. Jamie, have a lovely day there in the UK. Speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye. You've been listening to The Future of NFTs. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming platform like Spotify or iTunes. Connect with Adlunum on Twitter at Adlunum Inc. or our website, adlunum.cc.